The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. Welcome to another Saturday edition of the Major Spoilers Podcast. I'm Stephen Schleicher. Uh, as you've noticed that we've been doing in some of our weekend podcasts is we've been going out and interviewing people in the comic book and pop culture industry. And today we have Ralph Tedesco from Zenoscope Entertainment. Ralph is the co-founder, vice president, editor-in-chief, writer, min- wearer of many hats, all at Zenoscope. And Ralph, thanks for joining us today on the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Stephen. Much appreciated. <laughs> it's all it's all our pleasure. Um, as we get into this, how did you end up in, in the comic book world? How did you find your way to Zenoscope Entertainment? Um, that's a good question, actually. I don't know. Um, I was actually living in Los Angeles at the time, and um, I was doing some acting um, and trying to do some screenwriting. And it's interesting because nobody wants to read any of your stuff when you're a struggling screenwriter mm. in Hollywood. So. We, um, I had my longtime friend Joe Brusher, who's now my business partner, had mentioned um, an idea he had to start a comic book. You know, basically he wanted to write a comic book, and um, I was I was a casual comic book fan. I hadn't really been following enough comics to say I was like this big fan of it, of the industry um, at that time. Um, Joe was, and Joe had, you know, been a comic book fan for years, so. He had this idea. He's like, "Hey, you know, because we had written a couple of screenplays together ourselves, and he just kind of wanted to do something." And so we said, "Yeah, sounds like a good plan. Let's write a comic book." <laughs> and uh, I was like, "All for it." So I, I actually moved from LA back to Philly. Wow. Um, not right away, but uh, after after a few months. Um, because I, you know, I am from Philadelphia originally, and, oh, okay. and I kind of, yeah. So I kind of was out in LA, and then I was like, oh, let me let me take a break for a little while. I'll do this, and then like, you know, we'll see what happens. So we we had the idea for Grim Fairy Tales, which was a dark, was basically a, a simple concept, Twilight Zone or Tales from the Crypt type concept where we do a dark twist on classic fairy tales. We go back to the originals, which are dark already. Mm-hmm. And we redo them and, and make them less like Disney and more for adults, and we add our own spin. So it sounded like a really good idea. <laughs> and we got into publishing, and we really didn't know what we were getting into, to be honest with you, at all. Like, we didn't plan on creating this huge company, Zenoscope, at the time. Um, we planned on trying to self publish, you know, basically one comic. Right. And then it kind of snowballed from there. Well, I think, and again, I've kind of been following a, a lot of what you guys have been doing since I, since the beginning. I, certainly, I'm aware of Grim Fairy Tales when it first came out, and I think it seems kind of weird. Maybe your was it your kind of breakout title was your prequel to the movie Seven? Yeah, well, yeah, in a sense. I mean, we 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 came out with Grim Fairy Tales um, that did really well right away. Um, it wasn't doing the numbers it does now, but it was doing um, decent numbers, especially from a publisher, self-publisher, mm-hmm. who never published anything before. Um, but we wanted to kind of put ourselves on the map, and, and we were huge, huge, huge fans of Seven, the movie. Um, so being at some of the conventions um, promoting Grim Fairy Tales, we met some great people, including like David Mack. Um, we had met Gre- Raven Gregory, who was doing The Gift at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and some other people. So we kind of were like, hey, you know, we have this idea to do Sevenus Comic. David Mack was like, let me write one of the issues, please. And we were like, that would be incredible. Um, so we approached New Line Cinema. We had our our cover artist and one of our, um, our basically our art director here, David Simon, do some mock-up pages and some cool artwork, and we sent it to them, and they were like, hey, go for it. You can license it and, uh, you know, see how it goes. So we we got a huge team of different writers and different artists, put them all together, and uh, we created this uh, seven-issue miniseries sort of prequel to the movie Seven, mm-hmm. and it got a lot of uh, critical acclaim, uh, and it sold pretty well. Didn't sell great, didn't blow the doors off of anybody, but still, we were, we were a very new publisher. Right. I don't think a lot of people knew who we were, and a lot of people were like, maybe not. You know, I mean, I, I, if we came out with it now, it might have done a little bit better in terms of n- number-wise, mm-hmm. perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, or if we came out with it closer to when the film came out in the mid-'90s. Right. Um, <laughs> so you can look at it that way, too. But it was a really well-received book, and I think it helped put us on the map a little bit more as a company. So Xenoscope has only been around. Well, maybe I should say, how do you pronounce? How do you pronounce it? Xenoscope or Xenoscope? no? No, it's you said it right. Okay. Xenoscope. So a lot of people say Xenoscope, but it's Xenoscope. So Xenoscope has been around since when? Like it's only been around for like four or five years. Yeah, four years. And what is it like? I mean, unfortunately, with with the name, you're usually probably down towards the bottom of uh, of the publisher list as far as uh, alphabetical listings go. But how does it feel to compete as an independent, especially a couple of people that have no experience in the comic book industry, starting this company and and succeeding the way you have? Um, it feels good. <laughs> uh, it's interesting. I mean, I, honestly, like I said, it wasn't really – we didn't set out necessarily at first to conquer the publishing world. You know, We set out to, to just create stories and, and carve a niche, for us, a niche for ourselves in the industry. Um, and as we grew and as our – as our books became more popular, we kind of, you know, realized that we were doing something right. Mm-hmm. And we just continue to try to do, you know, we, like I've said before, um, in other, in other interviews, you know, we just continue to try to think outside the box a little bit more than maybe other people do. Um, not saying that other companies don't, and I'm not saying that other companies aren't successful doing what they do. I just think we right. need to continue to, think of new ways to do things and think a little bit differently than some of the companies who are already established or have been around for, for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, you know, even the independents, like well, you take IDW, for example, look how great they're doing. They, they have their own niche in the, in the industry and they, they were able to like grow to, to one of the top publishers and, and what they've done has been impressive mm-hmm. in a short, pretty short period of time too, oh, I think, oh, yeah. for IDW. Yeah. Um, same goes for a couple other uh, companies as well. So, you know, we're still kind of the new newbie on the block uh-huh. in a lot of ways. I mean, there's not a lot of publishers who are a lot younger than us. Um, and and to be where we are, we're, we're kind of we're very blessed and we're we're very excited about it. But you know, at the same time, it's just kind of I don't think it's something we we view as like anything other than pretty cool. <laughs> you know, keep doing yeah. what we're doing. Yeah. Now you're one of the writers of Grim Fairy Tales. Mm-hmm. What, what other books have you written uh, there at Cinescope? Um, one of the writers of Grim Fairy Tales, Joe and I actually co-wrote the book for 
for a long time. Um, we brought in some new writers now because mm-hmm. we get we're so busy. Um, but we do still oversee all the storylines and write some of the issues ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I also am writing Salem's Daughter, which is our newest one of our newest uh, right. properties. Right. That, that's uh, I think it's only up to issue one right now. But um, you know that's we have a plan for that to go for a little while. Um, I'm also writing Stingers, which. Oh, yeah. uh, which is our other sci-fi type uh, ish uh, comic book. Um, And I'm also writing uh, the upcoming Dante's Inferno, which is a spinoff of the Grim Fairy Tales world. So, and then uh, we have other stuff in the works that that Joe and I can consistently try to write. It's it's, it's a lot. It's a juggling act here. Well, we're going to touch on some of those here in a minute, but I want to know, you said that you were in Hollywood uh, working as a script writer and how is it writing a script for television or movies, and how how do you make that transition into comic books? Is it similar, different? It's uh, well. First, let me clarify. I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't a working screenwriter. Okay. Okay. <laughs> let me let me make that clear. <laughs> um, I was more a working bartender ah, um, okay. at the time. No, but uh, yeah, I did I did have, I did write some scripts, um, and I did have some minor success in that. And you know, again, it, it, a lot of it was spec scripts and, and screenplays, and yeah. To answer your question, it, it's similar. Um, it's very similar to writing a comic book, um, in my mind. I mean, there's different ways to write right. for comics, and there's different. Every writer uses a different technique and does things differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to write like a screenplay, right? Basically, and just break my panels down mm-hmm. um, into like where the action would be in a screenplay. I just break them into panels, and that's how I do it. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily the best way or the correct way to do it, but um, that seems to work for us. Yeah, and I think that's a thing that's a little bit of confusion for people that are trying to break in as a writer is, you know, in Hollywood, there's a set format that you need to follow. Mm-hmm. But it seems like depending on what company you're going to, everybody has a different way of writing scripts. And I think that makes it maybe a little bit harder for people who are who are wanting to do that. Yeah, it, it's 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 interesting. I mean, I, I, I know there's, there's also books on the on the art of writing screen uh, scru- uh, sorry a, uh, comic book script. Right. Um, you know, I, I just kind of grew up learning screenplay writing, and it just seemed to kind of translate well for me. And and the artists we work with seem to get that, and they they don't seem to have much of a problem. There's a lot of give and take. There's a lot of back and forth when you're working with artists mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as well. So they might you might send them a script. They'll 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 give you a layout, and then you see what they did with your script and they're not always going to follow exactly what you write. They're going to have to make adjustments themselves. So then you see the layout and then you can either have them change something on the layout or you can change something on the script. And then it's like that back and forth there. And then when you get the finished product, get a finished page, you always have to go back and readjust and re-letter what you had yeah. initially wrote because it's not going to always match up exactly. Okay. Cool. So it's a different process. And, and you know, it, it's definitely like, um, I, I, uh, I don't even know what, what, what word to explain it, but it's very cohesive process. Process. Okay, little give and take on everyone yeah. on each side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I mentioned before I was a big fan of Grim Fairy Tales since the very beginning. A lot of it probably due in part to uh, the cover art that you had by Al Rio at the time, mm, and I yeah. think that probably draws a lot of people in. And and as you said, when the series first started, it was kind of the Twilight Zone take on the original uh, tales. But over the last, I would say, year, year and a half or so, the the narrator, Sella and then Belinda, have kind of taken center stage with some of their 
uh, own storyline. Mm-hmm. And we saw Sella end up getting uh, essentially imprisoned, and then Belinda took over for a while and really telling some e- even darker stories uh, than what was going on before. And now that Sella's back, it seems like she's learned a little bit uh, from her experience and, and one of the reveals that happened, I think, two or three issues ago. And now it seems like she's going to take the fight uh, to her enemies. Can can you give us kind of maybe a little bit of a hint or an idea of, of what's coming down the road with, with Grim Fairy Tales? Nope. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, I mean, you pretty much hit it on the head. I mean, definitely um, the, the, these two characters, I mean, you've seen Sila kind of evolve as a character in her own right as, mm-hmm. as we as we went along with the with the story, and it was just like a natural progression. Um, you know, we, we mapped out a, a long storyline, and things sort of, when you when you have a map, it, it some of it stays the same, and some of it kind of detours somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of what happened with Crime Fairy Tales, where, where it almost sometimes feels like the characters write us rather than us writing them mm. um, in, some, in some instances, and, and, and we just kind of play off of... Uh, play off of that i mean we kind of know where the, the we, we we know where the story ends it's just like how do we how do we get to that ending is a good question but at the same time um yeah we do have uh you know we wanted the character seal to kind of evolve and 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 learn because she's not flawless and that's what's cool about this character she's strong she's independent she's smart um but she's not she's far from flawless as we all are so right. We needed to show that side of her, and she has her own history, and she has her own demons. And the cool part was having her kind of disappear for a while, and having Belinda take over and be like, "Hey, what's up? I'm, you know, I'm the top dog." And now, mm-hmm. now Sila's back, and now Sila's like, you know what? Like, she's different, and Belinda knows this. Now it's up to Belinda to is she going to be able to up her game? And now it's it's always raising the stakes with these guys and, right. and with this storyline, and that's what's going to happen. So you oversee the uh, the overall series right now. Do you pick the plot points as, you know, obviously here's what's going on with Sela and Belinda, but then do you also say here are the fairy tales that we want to incorporate into each issue, or is yeah. it up to the writer to, to kind of pitch that to you? No, it's all, it's Joe and I come up with all the all the fairy tales, all the storylines, where we want each issue to go and where each issue needs to end mm-hmm. and what, like, the moral is basically of each issue. Okay. And then we give the writer, and, you know, the writers will come up with their, sometimes, you know, they'll come up with their own entire take, just following our guidance, our, our kind of outline. And some writers are a little bit more, like, some writers can will work with us a little bit more and have us kind of guide them a little bit more. Other writers will just kind of do their own thing and be like, here, here you go. And then we'll either say, no, it's not what we're going for, or, yeah, you hit it on the head. Okay. And then you know it's it, it goes. It seems to it seems to be working with you know. And Raven writes a lot for us now. Um, Raven writes a lot, <laughs> which is good. Um, and we've had other great writers like Dan Wickline mm-hmm. have done some uh, issues for us. So um, yeah, it, it's a it's a give and take as it is with the like I said before with the artwork. It's all give and take. Right. I think the other thing that's kind of important. I think a lot of people when they look at grim fairy tales, they're just looking at the the eye candy appeal of of the series but really as you pointed out there really is a moral that that you're trying to get out in each of the issues yeah no i'm glad you touched on this steven because um you know we do get we are now that company in the industry that gets like the the flack for being the cheesecake right, company right, and all right. our books are nothing but softcore porn and 
all we do is naked girls and blah blah blah. Yeah. And yeah, that we do have our share of critics for that. And I think a lot of those critics have never really opened one of our issues. And some have, and some hate it, and some say, "Oh, this is crap," and whatever. Mm-hmm. And then we have, but we have a nice following of fans who love our stuff. And there's a reason for that, I think. I mean, you know, sometimes you're just not going to be able to sway the people who want to hate your hate on you but and then we have this great group of people who have fans who've tried our stuff and have even said you know what like at first i thought you guys were nothing but cheesecake and i read a few of your issues and and it's not that right um you know we have a great female following it's amazing how many girls we have following our books right now yeah i was it's crazy i was surprised too because uh uh, you know, I came into it the very same way that you just mentioned. It's like, oh, here's a lot of cheesecake, pretty pictures, let's look. And then I really started reading. I was like, wow, this is really good stories. But I was really surprised when we were talking with Victoria, who's one of the newest writers uh, at Major Spoilers, uh, how into uh, grim fairy tales that she is and, and why she likes that so much. And it really has to do with uh, her feeling of empowerment and the moral that can be learned from every story. And I think that's great. Yeah, I mean, we make it a point. Like, our, yeah, I mean, we have cheesecakey covers mainly. I mean, the interiors aren't not like the covers generally. Right. I mean, especially in, in grim fairy tales. I mean, yeah, they're, they're you know, girls dress some somewhat, uh, I guess, sexy. But at the same time, it's like these women are not just you know walking around, you know, bitsy or anything. They're all independent, mm-hmm. strong women. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know there's that whole backlash of, well, why do all women in comic books look? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Can't answer that question. But you know, um, we just have the, the, you know, we don't, we don't give anybody specifics to be like, draw the hottest girl in the world and right. and make her, you know, have huge. Because like, it's it's not it's not necessarily like that. It's just a matter of people like looking at these like cool pinup type style of uh, pictures, and it's right. nothing worse than what you might see on a on the rack at the uh, supermarket on the Cosmopolitan mm-hmm. when the girl's in a bikini or whatever. So I, I kind of don't, I kind of get what people say, but at the same time, I kind of don't because it's, it, we're not doing, we're not doing just cheesecake. We're not doing just soft corn porn. Cause, right. cause our, if you look at our books, we don't have any sort of like, you know, yeah, a lot of them really don't have any sexual overtones anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that that kind of it's it's a little bit annoying. But at the same time, there's always got to be the company that gets blamed for it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and we're that yeah, company take, right now. Take your knocks right now, and then and that's then all right. Work. I mean, you know, if as long as people are enjoying the books, you know, we're not gonna we can't worry about pleasing everybody. Just it's impossible. Right. Now you had mentioned a moment ago that there's a spinoff series coming out of Grim Fa- Fairy Tales called Dante's Inferno. Yes. Tell tell us a little bit about that, if you can. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Uh, we're, I'm so excited about this project just because um, we we had this uh, issue of Grim Fairy Tales number 29 called King Midas, and mm-hmm. um, at the end of that issue, uh, uh, um, Raven had written the original issue, and uh, he got a lot of flack for it because, um, or and we did too, I guess, because um, at the end of the issue, the character, the, the bad guy, the bad guy character and not Belinda but a different character named Mercy Dante mm-hmm. um, is a killer and she ends up killing a little girl for revenge mm. um, on the on the person who killed her parents right. so um, the the next issue of Grim Fairy Tales number 41 um, kind of deals with Mercy Dante's story so we're bringing her character back in issue 41 and then the spin-off series follows um, her story as well and continues. That'll be, what are we doing, six issues um, of her story. And that will be, I, I can't give too much away, but it's basically 
um, her shot, Mercy Dante's shot at um, redemption. Okay. And, and, um, and this is debuting at San Diego? Is this one of the new titles that's coming no, out? No, actually, Diego, this, um, this uh, series isn't going to be out till late later this year. Okay. The uh, Dante's Inferno won't get out till later this year. But number 41 issue of Grim Fairy Tales is actually basically a prequel of the spinoff series. Okay. Which, and, that, and 41 comes out next month, comes out in uh, August. Okay. And that's written by you and, and Raven Gregory? Uh, 41 was actually, yeah, well, it was written mainly by Raven, uh, okay. co-written by Joe and I, and okay. then the spinoff series will be written by yours truly, I guess. Excellent. <laughs> I, I hope, unless Raven tries to weasel his way in and write it, because he <laughs> does that with all the good books. <laughs> so you guys are heading out to the, to the biggest convention of the year next week, uh, San Diego right. Comic-Con. You've got some, you've got to have some big things going on if you're going to show up to a show like this. Yeah, um... <laughs> This show is a bane of my existence because it's it's so it's so tough to get uh, ready for, and there's so much that goes into it each well, year. How, how uh, is that different than what you would do at Wizard World Philly or, or well, Chicago? The only or? it's easier in Philly because Philly is my backyard. Well, that's you know, true. You just drive over. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, the New York show has gotten really big. The New York Comic Con that they mm-hmm. they brought on a few years ago, and that's an awesome show for us. And right. and that's a little easier because of the fact that it's logistically close to us. Um, San Diego is just as more of a pain just because you're going, we're going cross country to San Diego. Okay. But, uh, and it's crazy. I mean, I mean, they have 150,000 fans there over a weekend. It's just insane. Like you, I hate to go, I hate to leave my booth area because as soon as you leave, it's like being pulled into like through an ocean. Oh yeah. You're like in an ocean of people and you're like, I don't know how people do it. It's, it's insane. I, I, it's, it's nuts. So, (laughs) but that's a whole other story for all other day. Yeah, we, we have a couple. Um, we're we're promoting our new, two new titles. We're doing a lot of more sci-fi lately, like we did uh-huh. the Stingers title, yeah. um, and which got really good reviews. I, um, I the like sales it. are subpar on it, but I gotta you know, tell we, you, I like that first Stingers issue. Now I haven't. Uh, how many issues of that have come out? All of them or not? Two's. Uh, I think two's out. A uh, three should be out soon. Okay. I'm going to have to track down issue number three, two. Then. Yeah, I, I'll send you issue two. Okay, all right, cool. <laughs> I, I just then, liked uh, it because it's so much like a combination of The Thing, a combination mm-hmm. of the 80s, you know, uh, horror movies, sci-fi movies. It's, it's a fun, it's a fun uh, first issue, and, and I'm sure it's a fun series. Well, it, it's, it's fun to write, number one. And Joe and I were big fans of The Thing, big fans of Predator, Aliens. Like growing up in the 80s, I was an 80s mm-hmm. kid, so... Mm-hmm. You know, we grew up on those types of films, and we just wanted to write our kind of sci-fi and put our own spin on it, and kind of have that that uh, feel to to something. You know, because we haven't you haven't really seen that lately, and I, I don't think whether it's in comics or in films. Um, you know, that that kind of you know eighties type. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it does. It's sci-fi. Not, uh, yeah, story. I mean, it's there was certainly a vibe that goes along with with those kind of stories, and that's that's what the, that's what this series feels like. But you were right. going to mention your your two new ones that. So the that two new ones were uh, Merc and Aegon, and okay. um, Aegon. They're both really cool. Um, we're working with a couple writers on these new writers that we we haven't worked with before on these. Aegon was a the story that was developed between a bunch of people. Um, Friends of ours uh, out in LA um, came to us, and and and, and our, uh, actually one, one guy had one idea. He was telling us about what Aegon was, and back in the ancient times here, 
um, during the Mayans' um, reign. Um, and Aegon was basically where these uh, warriors would pick the best, well, not the warriors, I guess the tribes would pick the best warrior of their tribe mm-hmm. to go up against another warrior. It's like picking your best to go up against the other the other tribe's best. Ultimate and, and fighting championship. The ultimate fighting championship, like which which we have today, obviously in a different <laughs> realm. But this was to the death, right. you know. And we were like, what if we took it up another notch, and it was between planets? Oh, okay. So basically, Earth finally makes contact with this uh, advanced alien species, and we're you know, first you're like, wow, this is exciting, and then they basically tell us, all right, well, here's the deal: you have to uh, you have to participate in this interplanetary combat ritual uh, called Akon, or you're going to be destroyed. So pick your 10 best warriors, and you'll go against all these other planets, 10 best warriors in a, in a realm that's going to be determined. Um, you don't, they don't give you any type of what's your 10 best warriors, what is, what's that mean, is that military personnel, is that, you know, diversified group of different people, different talents. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like, what do you think your 10 best warriors are? The winner will continue along their evolutionary path. All the losers, their planets are enslaved and or destroyed. And that's that. Yeah, so it's like you're forced to participate in this interplanetary kind of gladiator battle. Yeah. Um, melee weapons only. You know, there's no like, there's no guns and super like laser guns or anything like that. It's just hand-to-hand combat with these other species, and best man stand, you know, best best planet right. uh, wins. Right. So then, and it's really just a mini series, and it, it's very, it's just kind of, <laughs> it's sort of like um, a guilty pleasure of mine, uh, Armageddon. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of like that. I would. I don't want to say it's. I would hope it's a little bit better written than Armageddon is, but in terms of like the idea of Armageddon um, and then putting this ragtag team together to save the planet and like, can they do it? And it's, it's just a fun, fun script. And Scott Byrne is, uh, he, he hadn't written a comic book before. He's just, he's actually a screenwriter. Um, And he came up with this treatment and we were like, wow, this is blowing us away. So let's do this. And already like his first couple scripts have been intense and really cool and just blew the doors off of it. So we were like, let's go for it. So we're doing Aegon and then the other one's Mark. Uh And um, that is a, basically um, it's about this, it takes place in the future, like 50 years down the road. And there's this virus killing off like a lot of people and people are all incubated and, and the world's just kind of gritty and messy. So it's a mix of grittiness and, and cool technology. So it's not just like this shiny new world 50 years from now. It's like a gritty kind of messed up world, but also like technology has advanced and things have still advanced. So it's like a mm-hmm. combination there. So that was kind of appealing to us, that idea that we of a future we haven't really seen before. Right. It's not Mad Max and it's not like super like futuristic um you know, think of I don't know, um, Blade Runner or something like that. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's not. It's 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 more like in between the two. And okay. there's these mercs, these 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 mercenaries, I should say, that kind of sacrifice everything in order to like make as much money as they can. So what I mean by that is like these mercenaries will remove their own appendages and replace them with guns and machinery and crazy weapons and they take these super
super enhanced like steroid boosters um, that give them almost superhuman ability. Wow. And this one Merc, Sonny Grissom, is basically an invalid. He can barely like move out of bed every in the morning because mm-hmm. he's been a Merc for 10 years and he, he's dying. His body's failing because he's been on these drugs and he's a mess. But when he gets suited up, he's ready to go and he still has something left in the tank, but he knows he's dying. Yeah. And he basically gets a chance at redemption. He takes this job that he knows is like, could be like the most daring job of his life. And, and he's got a, he's, he's, he's escorting this girl, this, this courier who has this, um, basically this cure for the virus in her implanted in her brain. So this virus that's wiping out humanity. He can actually be the one responsible to deliver the virus to the right hands before she's intercepted. So he has this chance at redemption and it's basically take Mickey work and the wrestler Mm -hmm. (laughs) suit him up in this, you know, Merc gear. And now you have, you have this story and it's really just about a character who's like looking for his shot at redemption. Very cool. I think uh, so, I think Rodrigo, one of our one of our people on the podcast, I think he would get a kick out of both of those. I hope so. It's a flip book too, so we're doing Aegon and Mark as a flip book. It's twenty eight pages of story, and we're debuting it at the show at Comic Con. For we're only doing it for a buck, even though it's going to be a three dollar book. Mm-hmm. We're doing it a buck at Comic Con. And and where can people find you at the show? What booth? Oh, are? yeah, we're at uh, booth number two uh, twenty seven oh seven. Okay. So people who are going out to the show this week and you've got the, you're listening to the show on the podcast, head over to the Zenoscope booth and, and say hi to those guys and, and pick up the series. What else is coming up for, for Zenoscope uh, over this next couple of months? Well, I might as well break the news here. Okay. Um, <laughs> we, as you know, as you might know, if you're a Wonderland fan, you know Escape from Wonderland is our third uh, of the trilogy. Right. And that's going to be coming to an end soon. Um, you know, by the end of the year, that'll be over um, since the six issues. But we are continuing the world uh, that is uh, the world that is grim since since it all connects. Right. And coming toward the end of the year is the number one issue of Neverland, mm. which is our dark twist on the Peter Pan story. Yeah, have have we v- seen very some... dark, very twisted? Have we seen and... some art from this before? I don't know. Perhaps, maybe I, because I could have swore I've, I saw. I don't know that, that teased uh, that, but. Well, David Finch just did issue one cover for us. Ah, okay. Uh, Eric Bass will do uh, E Bass. I can't. I always mess up his last name. He kills me. E Bass <laughs> is doing um, uh, the issue zero preview issue cover, and then Finch did the number one issue. Um, it's going to blow people away. I mean, you think Peter Pan, and and it's been redone by hundreds of people, I guess, like different ways, but. We're flipping it on his ear. Um, Pan is not uh, the good guy in this one. He's the evil entity. Cool. Um, and uh, it's very dark and it's very sinister and it's pretty cool. And I'm hoping people will check that out. And that's going to be end of the year as well. Excellent. Well, that's some great breaking news. Yeah, for you guys, for major spoilers. <laughs> and probably even more for you guys, because that means uh, more people coming on board. I hope so. I hope people uh, hope people dig it. And, uh, you know, we have a lot planned for the whole universe of Grimm moving forward. Um, so any of our Grimm Fairy Tales fans that follow this series and follow Wonderland should be excited about that. Yeah. I guess one book that is still on my radar, but one that we hadn't mentioned, was The Thousand and One Arabian Nights, The Adventures of Sinbad. Is yeah. that still an ongoing, or is that uh, was that was that a, a limited series? No, it's it. Well, it's ongoing. We we had to kind of 
delay. It's unfortunate because some if books aren't selling well enough, sometimes you kind of right. wait and you have to kind of uh, you kind of slow production down mm-hmm. on them. And mm-hmm. it, we haven't we haven't canceled or anything like that yet. Um, I don't think we will. We're, because the numbers are still okay. I mean, we're trying to get the numbers up because we, this, this is a weird thing about publishing is, you know, certain books like that get really good reviews or people take to still don't sell. Right. <laughs> you know, I guess it's like anything. You know, sometimes you just get good reviews and they might not sell for whatever reason. Um, and Sinbad's sort of that book where it doesn't sell terribly. It sells decent, but mm-hmm. um, it's still an expensive book to publish. So we kind of slowed down the, the production because it's like kind of you know when you go out monthly it, it, it the cost will add yeah. up and add up so um it's still going it's hopefully gonna we'll, we'll, we're thinking of um possibly doing an, actually another crossover with the grim universe oh, okay. as well cool. to kind of get those numbers going up um and we'll see we'll see what happens but it's it's an, it was uh, originally planned for um we we were going to go ongoing. We definitely had the two first two storylines mapped out up to issue 15. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're still planning on reaching issue 15 for the fans and getting to that point. So hopefully we'll be able to do that. Excellent. Well, I look forward to that because it's surprising when I go down the list of, of publishers. You know, I'm, I'm usually heavy on one publisher over the rest. But then when I look at uh, your list of books that you have up on your website, I'm like, oh, you know what? I read that one every month. I read that one. I read that one. I read that one. It's like, man, I really do read a lot of of the books coming out of, of Zenoscope without really realizing it. And and they're enjoyable. So, I mean, that if I keep coming back ma- month after month, that has to say something. Yeah, no, thanks. <laughs> Can't complain about that. All right, so, Ralph. No. Well, anything else you want to want to touch on? No, nah, I rambled enough today. Okay. I apologize for all those people out there. <laughs> all right, people people can find more information about Zenoscope uh, Entertainment at zenoscope.com. Go over and check it out and don't forget to check that little section uh under uh, photos called Girl of the Month to see uh all of the uh the the models that are that are dressing up as some of the grim fairy tale uh characters and uh and it's it's all good times. Yeah, and come out to booth 2707 in San Diego. Thanks so much, Ralph, and thank you, listeners, for being part of the Major Spoilers experience. Uh, We will talk with you next time because we know that you love comics, and we do too. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at majorspoilers.com, and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash majorspoilers and on MySpace at myspace.com slash majorspoilers. Fat Dick's revision of Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Think about a better way If I was hulking green or gray I could just bust through that brick wall Take their comic books away But then the little meat would deal With all the tanks and bombs and guns Have you ever tried to read a series With all that going on Guess I need to rethink this plan How would I back and board my comics With such huge hands Guess I already told ya What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah 
What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm star raving rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline Would I really even need To read up on all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fine me In the Middle East With a gang sign throwing soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa What a major spoiler Major Spoilers Podcast, copyright 2009